I see somebody was uh, thoughtful enough to leave me a watch up here so I can tell what time. Y'all don't have to worry about that. I'm pretty short-winded when it comes to preaching. Some of you guys, I'm sure, will appreciate that. Some of you, maybe not so much, but that's okay, too. If you don't care, I'd like to pray before we get started. Lord and Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, God, that you love me, that you take care of me, that you've allowed me to come up here and, and preach your word, God. Let me not shame you. Let me not uh, have a fear of speaking here today, Lord. I, I lift this time up to you, God, that it might be edifying and, and good for these people to hear, Lord. I lift them up to you, God, that they'd be receptive to your word. And God, I thank you so much that you give me the opportunity in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, as you've heard, my name is Jesse Anderson, and uh, I too love Harold. He's a good guy, and he, we did have a lot of fun, and I told myself that I was not going to tell any stories today, so I'm glad he told a story, and it happened just like that. I won't elaborate on his reaction, but... Uh, uh, but it, it happened just like he said. So uh, there you go. But uh, I want to thank Lee Creek Church for hosting this event. It, it blesses my heart uh, when, this, when I get to come every year. And uh, Harold Smith for inviting me to speak. And I, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my church. Um, it was founded out of a men's Bible study that started in 1988. Uh, by me and Danny Burton and one other fella. And Danny Burton was my boss. Danny Burton had this Bible study, which a couple of preachers have actually came out of, and he, and he loved Jesus. And at the time, I, I was not discipled very much. I had been saved uh, just before I got married out of what I would say is frugality. And uh, some of you guys are thinking, what is that? Well... I'd heard that uh, if we went to church down there at this little church in Roseville, Arkansas, that they'd let you have the wedding there for free. <laughs> right? And so I started going to that church with my tuba wife, and I heard the gospel. And it saved me. So I tell everybody I got saved out of frugality. Right, and so, but I got saved, and, and soon after that, the preacher, some, something happened, and he left, and we didn't have a preacher, and then I got a job in the swimming pool business with a bunch of guys that were Christians that loved Jesus. When my back old man told me, he says, hey, I, them guys you're going to work for up there, they're going to get you saved. I didn't even know what that meant. I thought I was going to have to wear a hard hat. I thought I was going to have to do something because it was a dangerous job. I was going to have to be safe. That's how ignorant I was about the gospel. I didn't know anything. And that's why today I, I preach a simple gospel that people can understand. I don't use these big words. And Harold and them will tell you when we have our POG, when we have... Uh, uh, our monthly deal, a lot of times they'll be talking about stuff. These educated men will be sending around, and I'll, 
I'll be creeping my hand up. I want to know what that word meant. And Harold will go, it means this. Right? Because he knows I'm, I'm a simple, simple man. Well, that's, that's about as far as I'll go with that. But uh, the church started out of that, and we have a, a, a great uh, place down there. You get to top over a little valley, and down in the bottom of this valley, there's a little church, and it sits by a 27-acre lake. And Dan Burton made preparation and prepared for that church so it would be sustained, that it would be took care of, and, and their family have done uh, that same thing, and now people come down there, and they know that they can hear about Jesus there. And, uh, and, and it's just a beautiful place. It's got pine trees, and I'm telling you, everybody that comes goes, man, you guys got a great place down here. But it's kind of in the boonies, and that's okay. But... The scripture or the verses I want to start with today, and we'll get right into it, is in Acts chapter 26, verse 6. And the reason I chose this uh, scripture here is because it didn't have any big words in it, right? Because it didn't have any of those words that I, I can't get my Arkansas accent around. And uh, I, I, I acquired this accent uh because I moved to Paris, Arkansas, and some of y'all know where I moved from, and I kind of am a little remiss to tell you, or uh, I really don't know if I want to tell you where I'm from. Most of you probably won't believe it, but I'm actually from California. Right? I know, right? So there you go. But, uh, but... But I can't hardly get my, my, my voice around a lot of times with these big old giant words, so I, so I picked something simple, which is kind of how I am anyway. It's pretty simple. Over in Acts chapter 26, verse 6, Paul's uh, talking before Agrippa and Festus here, and he says, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God, Unto our fathers. Hope defined by Webster's Dictionary is a desire accompanied by expectation or belief in fulfillment. I'd say that's a pretty good definition. Right? And what is this promise that is made to their fathers? Well, we'll find it from the beginning of man in the fall, the promise to save us from the sin that was introduced through Adam and God promised out of that out of that curse in that curse that he would send help or a cure for sin over in Genesis 3:15 and I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise This, of course, is God telling Satan what will take place because of the part he played in the fall of man and how it would be rectified. That is that God's own Son would come in the flesh. Born of a woman through the Holy Spirit to walk in the form of men teaching us the true way and then he would die on the cross for our sins. And for our salvation. 
this hope of the Old Testament Christian is the hope of the New Testament Christian. That God would save us from our sin. It never ceases to amaze me that He Himself would come and that He would die for you and I. Those who did not deserve salvation, but out of the great mercy and grace, that is God. He did so. He made a way for you and I to have fellowship with Him and also to live with Him eternally forever in His presence. Praise the Lord. Old Job in 1925 through 27 says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last He will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold not another. My heart faints within me. We too will see Jesus. That boy Job, he had it going on, didn't he? The spirit that was in Job, that he would see his Redeemer, that he lives, is real. Job's confident in the fact that he will see his Job believes that he will see God in person. Not any other God, but the God of the Bible. The God, the same God that Adam knows in the garden. The same God that Abraham knows in the Old Testament. The same God of Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Isaiah, all of the Old Testament prophets. same God that sent His Son that was born of a virgin. The same God that lived among men. The same God that died on the cross. The same God that Peter and John and all the apostles tell us about in the New Testament. And the same God that Paul writes about. This same God we too will see in person and believe. I have hope in that. What are the promises that are written? Made by the fathers in Genesis twenty two eighteen, and in thy seed all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou have obeyed my voice. All the nations will be blessed out of the people of Israel because the Redeemer, the Messiah, will come from out of Abraham. Galatians three twenty nine, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant, heirs to according to the promise. And if you're saved, you're one of them. The Redeemer will come. That's the promise. Zechariah 2.10 says, Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion. Behold, I am coming. I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. That He would come and dwell with us. That is a promise. And He's not going to come to us in some temple where we can't go, we can't see, we can't go in there and visit. No, He's going to come to us in the flesh and we can see and we'll be able to touch Him. We know that Christ has come and has died on the cross for our sake. And now we have that common hope that is in Jesus. You and I have a fellowship that's based in Jesus Christ. That's our common salvation. 
And this morning, I will talk to you a little bit about that bond, that unbreakable bond of fellowship in Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why this conference was developed. So we could see each other, we could visit with each other, and we could have fellowship with other folks just like us. Uh, so we didn't think like we was up in some cave and we were the only ones there. We're the only ones left. We're not. Yep. This common salvation that Jude wished he could have talked about with those he wrote in his epistle that, that holds his name here. In Jude verse 3 he says, Beloved, when I, have give, I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered into the saints. To the saints. He wanted to talk about the common salvation. Uh, he wanted to talk what, what he loved to talk about. And you know what that was? It's the same thing that you love to talk about. It's Jesus. That's who it is. That's what he wanted to talk about. Over in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it tells us that which is from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show you into that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested into us, that which we have seen and heard and declare, we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father." And with His Son, Jesus Christ. You and I share in that fellowship. We have our hope based. First on the prompting of the Holy Spirit that He causes us to believe. But not just that. God also saw fit to assure us on the eyewitness accounts of these men in the Scripture. That the, of these folks who have seen Jesus Christ, who walked and talked with them, as well as those, uh, they saw Him transfigured into what He truly is. And that's God's own Son. That's God transformed in the Spirit, mighty to behold. Who sits at the right hand of God, making intercession constantly for those who believe. Do you believe? That you might have fellowship and hope in God for eternal life. A common bond of hope. Where is your hope? It is in things. If it is, that's sad. Is it in money, family, work, a person, a pastor? Or anything else that's material? And if it is, my friend, then you've missed out on the point of the gospel. Because the point of the gospel is not about those things. It's about God. And only God. And if you've missed that, then my friends, you have no hope. You'll have no hope in eternal things. But if you believe in Jesus Christ as your hope, then you, my friend, 
have everything it takes. Nothing else is needed. Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 said, Be it known unto you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is no other way but in Christ Jesus. So because of our hope in Jesus, we are beholden to Him. We owe Him something. What do we owe Him? We owe Him everything. Because He saved us. It's a debt we can't pay. But I want to die trying. It's a debt He bore for us. For His glory. And for our hope. Not a false hope. But one of power. And of witness. And for our hope. It's to be raised as He too was raised. That though he was killed, he had victory over death and was raised from the dead as we too will be because he'll raise us too. The hope that is in Jesus Christ, we know that he has the power. We know we can do it. How, you might ask, because of those who tell us about it in the scripture, but also because the Holy Spirit tells us that as well. My friend, we are the ones who carry this gospel. We've been chosen by God to deliver His word of hope. This hope that was promised. We who believe know it to have been accomplished. That Jesus Christ did come. That He has defeated death. That in its power, our, our sins have been nailed to that cross. No longer accusing us of our failure. price has been paid the debt has been released we no longer owe it it's no longer a burden for you and I shouldn't be on our shoulders been took care of be free no longer a burden it's high time we shout out the praises of our father And his son, Jesus Christ, having been filled with the Spirit of God, do not be guilty, but be set free. And if you are set free, I think we should get to acting like it. Over in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, What shall we say that... Then say to these things, If God be for us, who can be against us? He spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things who lay anything at the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather 
that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that don't get you doing, I don't know what will. Go get them. Draw upon the facts that you know way more than I do. You are learned. I'm ignorant. You're more than conquerors. We're the children of God. We're heirs to the King. The beloved of God. Saved people. We of most all people should be the most joyful. We should be the most happy. We should be the most saved because we are. Over in John chapter 1, 1 John 1, 4, says, In these things I write unto you that your joy may be full. Huh? Well, when I read those scriptures that tell me who I am and who I ought to be, it does make me full. It makes me happy. It makes me happy to be up here telling you guys why I'm happy. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of those who want to steal or think they have a key to happiness. Those who say that it is money, riches, that give you your best lives here and now. That's not the truth. It's Jesus Christ that gives you those things. You don't have to be rich, even though we are. Uh, even our poor people are considered rich in 85% of the world. Uh, what a blessed place we live in. And I thank God for it all the time. Do we thank God near as much as we should? You guys had food to eat? I have, and it was good. Huh? I've got a place that I live in that God's given me, and you know what? It was nice and cool this morning when I got up out the bed. Huh? And you know what happened when I went over to the faucet and I turned it on? Good cold water came out that I could drink. Huh? Are you thankful? I've asked people, hey, what do you got to be thankful for? Oh, nothing's really going on in my life. Well, I'm going to tell you, we got the most to be thankful of, more than anybody else, because God's provided for us. He didn't just provide us a little bit, did he? Look at me. Huh? He's provided a lot in abundance. Well, that didn't cost much. I'm sorry. Man. I don't know, but sometimes I think these pew jumpers have a little taste of something that I wish I had. I, I like to be 
excited about Jesus. Have a little taste of that. Don't be afraid to get excited. Don't be afraid to tell somebody. Don't be scared. I said scared. I normally say scared. Yeah. To praise God in an emotional way. We are to have control, but sometimes I think it's good to shout it out. Sometimes I think we can't hold it in. Sometimes I don't think we should. Sometimes I have to tell God that He's awesome, even if He already knows it. Huh? He is great. I'm glad I'm on His side. Some people think God's on their side, but I can tell you, we're on His side. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? That should make us happy. That should give us joy. Well, I'll wrap up here. I told you I was pretty quick-winded. If you don't get anything else out of this morning, this time, our fellowships made possible only by the common hope, this common bond that we have in Jesus Christ. And we're able to celebrate our fellowship with each other because Jesus Christ, our common fellowship. Remember that it is in Christ alone that we have this love for one another and in Christ alone that we're able to show it. He gave us His Spirit that resides inside of us and His Spirit speaks to the fact that these things are real. Our Jesus, our Savior, and our hope. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. If you're not right, get right. Repent. Get back at it. Get in the game. Go preach the gospel. Do it with power. Do it with authority. Preach the gospel. That's our job. We've been given given to it by God like we say we've been called. If He said this is what you've got to do, then we should do it. And we should be happy about it. And we should be glad about it. And we should be excited about it. Go out and preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preach. Even though it may be foolish to some. That's how God has ordained people hear the word of God. Huh? What about that? God has it for you to do. You need to get about to doing it. Who will tell people about Jesus if you don't do so? Who will encourage? Who will preach? Who will they hear the gospel from? Somebody that don't know what the gospel is? I don't want that happening on my watch. If you don't do it, then those who are false may. And may it never be that that's what happens. We above all people should preach and go and teach. Over in Romans chapter 10 verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? 
That is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We've heard about missions here. We've heard about sending out those folks. And when we send people out by giving them money, by participating in their ministries, you know what? We become a part of that. Huh? And when somebody over in wherever, in a place I can't pronounce, in a place I've never been, get saved because we've sent somebody there, praise God we have a victory too. Isn't that something? I'm excited to be doing those kind of things. Go back to your home churches or wherever you have to go back to, wherever you're serving at, and preach Jesus. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We should preach the word of God. And when we do, people will hear that and they'll have faith. Oh my goodness. Preach the word of God. Tell people of the word of God. And they'll have faith. That's an amazing thing. Woo! Go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us be who they hear and not those people who would use them up and ruin them and cause them great harm to their faith. Let us be the loud voice. Stop. Beware. Watch out. Hell's approaching. Be careful. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Spurgeon. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees. Imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let no one go unwarned or unprayed for.